The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Well, if you've been watching the 700 Club this weekend, and usually the 700 Club is amazing, but then Holly comes on, and so it's even extra amazing. And then we got Lori Hartshorn today as well. So, Lori, how are you? Hey, I'm great. And hello to, nice to meet you, and nice to see you again, Holly, because, boy, we've had fun in the TV studio together. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. The hair, the makeup that I've attempted to do myself, I learned. <laughs> There's a reason why I'm in radio. <laughs> the struggle is real. Yes. Tell me about it. Yes, but thank oh. you for being so gracious. It's been uh, so far so good. Uh, and we've got a few more days left to round up the week. You know what? It's so fun working with you. And I, I said this to you already, but I'll, I'll repeat it again for your listeners and viewers. <laughs> they already know how awesome you are, but really seriously, you have such a genuine heart and you just spoke from your heart. And that's what, that's what we do. We, you know, the camera will pick up a fake immediately Yeah, and you are the real deal, my friend. And oh. I just loved working with you and man, you've got skills, you know? Thank you. Well, Did I you love know that, that I Johnny? Did you know that? <laughs> To be honest, Laura, I've worked with her for 20 years and I've never heard so many positive things just come from one person's mouth like you have. I mean, you know, you're saying that she's great to work with. I'm like, well, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but hey, you know, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> that's because Johnny knows I'm me at kidding. 5 a.m. in the morning. I'm like, don't talk to yeah, me. Yeah. And pregnant Holly. Pregnant Holly is a little okay. Well, I want to say I would never want to sign up for the morning show. Like the reason I don't do the morning show is because it's too early. Come on. That's ridiculous. Anyways, well, it it is uh, episode number 230. And Lori, we are so pumped that we have uh, you for this episode. And we like to ask the skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go. Who are you and where did you come from? (laughs) I think I can answer that. I am Lori Hartshorn, and yes, I am the host of 700 Club Canada. If you don't know what that is, it's a daily TV show in Canada, a Christian TV show. We get to share the best news in the world every day. And of course, that is the news of Jesus, who we love. And uh, I love to tell stories. I love to share, have other people tell their stories. But um, I'm not just that, you know, I'm a mom and I've got three great eight kids, two are married. I've got four grandbabies. I mean, come on, what's better than that? I got a really good husband, which is, you know, an important thing in this life. Uh, I'm very grateful. I've been a teacher for a long time. I taught grade seven, eight. I just want to say those wonderful years. Loved it. I've I've been in leadership. I directed Equip Leadership Canada. So I traveled across Canada and met a whole bunch of amazing Christian leaders in all walks of life, both marketplace and in the church, um, serving with John Maxwell in Equip Ministries. Pretty awesome. I've been a pastor. I'm old, you know, I've done a lot of stuff, but uh, <laughs> but I'm still having fun and I'm still so thankful for every day. 
So yeah, well, if you listen back to episode number 156, your son was a, was a part of our, uh, why me project podcast. And so this is the second time that we've had a mother. Well, the first time we've had a mother son, but we've also had a mother daughter. So thank you for being a part of our history. Absolutely. And Curtis's story is amazing and continues to be, you need a, you need a follow-up with him because he's just like rocking the world here. So Mm -hmm. we're so thankful. I remember thinking while I was hearing his uh, his story, I'm like, I wonder what his parents thought about this, because it gets pretty <laughs> intense. So now I get to ask that question. But first, I want to know, Lori, for you, how did it all start? I mean, now people will see you on 700 Club Canada, and I know faith is such a huge part of who you are, but was that always a part of your life? Well, you know, I was really blessed, Holly, to be raised in a Christian home. And my parents are first generation Christians. So they didn't come from, although, you know, good families, uh, every family has this dysfunction, but they did not come from a families that were really following the Lord. So I feel so thankful that my parents' decision changed the trajectory of our family. And uh, we got all our stuff. You know, I'm from an entrepreneurial family. My dad's business guys, a builder, we're all kind of builders, a little crazy. And uh, I had a good upbringing. But I tell you, I had a moment in my life, I, I really surrendered myself to letting Jesus lead my life. Um, I was at a Christian camp. And I, I'd already, you know, accepted Jesus, and I wanted to follow him. And but I was sort of in these struggling, you know, 17 years old, I was in a leadership program. And one night we were all the kids had gone home. It was a weekend, a Saturday. And so it was just a staff hanging around. One of my girlfriends there said her boyfriend was coming up. Oh, by the way, it was an all girls camp. So just oh, say uh, her boyfriend, <laughs> right? Right. So the boys were coming up to camp and her boyfriend was bringing a friend anyway, not like I'm sure he was a really great person, but I had this really unsettled feeling. Mm. And for a 17 year old who, and for someone who loves fun, who I don't want to miss out of the fun. I had, I had to trust my gut. And I, I sadly said, no, I wasn't going to go in town for the, the, the local fair, whatever was going on in town. And I ended up being at this camp who I'm an extrovert. I love people. I love fun. Like it was totally against my nature, but I just felt like the really now looking back, knowing God was giving me an unsettled feeling. And I was there all alone and I was feeling sorry for myself. And I was standing out in this field and I was really having a conversation with God, you know, about like, I just like, if I'm going to follow you, like, is it going to suck? Like for the rest Mm. of my life, like it, you know what I mean? Like, are we going to have any fun here? Is it going to be an adventure or like, is it duty? And I had a profound experience and I have to say, I'm a Baptist girl. So, you know, this, people don't even talk about this in my circles or didn't, or I was a Baptist girl recovered now, but I, uh, I was in this, I was in the field and I had a real encounter with God. There's no other way to explain it. And I felt this weight, like a warm, you know, the weighted blankets people buy now, like mm-hmm. really, it was like that this weighted blanket came over me and I found myself face down in this field. And I know basically years later, someone who would have no idea this experience happened. I didn't share it with anyone. The Lord showed it to her and she confirmed that the Lord was, had called me at that moment to follow him with all of my life. And I remember 
literally, it was almost like an audible whisper in my ear. And what I heard the Lord say to me is, I will use you. And it was a safe voice. It was a kind voice. And you know what? It was a fun voice. There was no burden to it. And I just knew then I would follow the Lord. And I've had my ups and downs and doesn't mean following the Lord is always easy, but I know that night I surrendered and I can say it, it's the best adventure. It's the best way to live your life. It's not problem free. If you've heard my son's story, um, had our challenges, but it's still the best adventure. And I would choose this adventure over any other, any day of the week. So you have this encounter in the field, you're 17, you're at camp. How did that change the trajectory of your personal life? Well, really it did. I chose to go to the States. I chose to go into a, a sort of a school where I could not only get a degree to put it this way, I would have, I, I knew I was called to like full-time ministry, but in my age and stage, there weren't many women pastors sure. that I ever saw. There were no women speakers that I saw. Like Beth Moore, you know, wasn't on the scene. There was nothing like that. So what would a good Christian girl do, you know, if you want to follow Jesus? Well, I guess you have to be a missionary in another country. And I wasn't really feeling that. And I felt God, well, if I prepare to be a teacher, then I think you could use me, God. Like that's kind of a good ministry equipping skill. But I really wanted, honestly, to study the Bible and really preach And with that in my heart, I went to a school in the States because there was really no place in Canada. And I went to Grace University in Omaha, Nebraska, spent four years down there getting a degree in biblical studies and education, got my bachelor of education. But I would say it, it, it really started to direct me down a trail to get equipped for ministry, even though I had no clue what that would look like. And years later, of course, that as the story unfold, as things changed in our culture, I mean, ironically, think about this, like I'm this from a, you know, the Baptist girl, never saw any women preach or teach or anything like that leading in the church other than children's ministry, you know, in the nursery with the kids teaching other women. And I'm not putting down any of those things because they're great places to be if that's where Mm -hmm. Jesus tells you to be. But I would listen outside the door of the men's class when they were learning about apologetics and studying scripture. And I was in the hallway taking notes for my boyfriend. Now that's kind of sad, really. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. And I always tell women this. I didn't even have the same opportunity in my generation, but that didn't stop God from opening Mm. every single door in my life that now I have been, I'm a Bible teacher. I, I pastored uh, full-time at a church. I was part of the teaching team. I would speak on the platforms. I've traveled and spoke like all the things, God, if he calls you to something, I'm telling you, he will give you every opportunity to do it. And I didn't, honestly, I did not push open doors. I was just that girl in the field, like surrendered and willing and did the next thing did the next thing that I knew to do. So he did give me the desires of my heart. I am a pastor. I'm now clergy. I'm now like, or well, qual, you know, sanctioned, not ordained as such, but I'm actually, yeah. you know, uh, 
that's another story. We won't go down that path, but to say qualified clergy, according to the Canadian government and serving in ministry. And now I get to teach the Bible on TV, on a national show. I mean, you can't make those things up. Like I never even knew that was in the cards, so to speak. So that's what God does. You could definitely tell though that you had a heart to be a teacher because you, whether it's teaching in classroom or pastor or Bible teacher, that is, you are exactly where you are supposed to be. Yes, I agree. And so that's why we say to young people, like do the next thing that you, that you just know to do. Don't overthink it. Like going to be prepared to be a teacher. God has used that equipping in my life in all kinds of settings, right? Just like you said. And so he doesn't waste a thing. So from there, now you've got this incredible trajectory ahead of you. You're in the States. I'm curious about the kind of the family side of things, because, you know, as you say, coming from a Baptist background um, for, for women to be in some of those leadership roles, it might be hard to find a man who will support you in that way. Did you find that a bit of a struggle or did God bring somebody along that was really a great partner? <laughs> Well, we've been married 36 years, so I have to say he's a great partner, but here is the funny, (laughs) God has a sense of humor. Okay. So think of this. I'm the Baptist girl. I married the brethren boy, Oh, brethren boy. It's probably worse than being a Baptist in a sense. And please hear me for any brethren or Baptists listening. We is so much love coming from me. There's no judgment. I'm just saying our experience. It was like, I had to wear the head covering, women be silent in the church. Like there's just such a longer story here. But again, again, like think about this. I marry the brethren boy. We actually decide to be part of a new church plant that's brethren, you know, for crying out loud. I'm feeling like a square peg in a round hole and thinking, how can I thrive in my gifting? It's not even that I like was begging to be on the platform. I just... I just knew how God had equipped me. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I was, I had this desire and, and the skills he was, you know, to teach the word of God. And anyway, here I am ironically in this brother's church. Well, you know, in that church, God did a really powerful thing and he really worked through the leadership. They actually went through a whole analysis of women in ministry in this brethren church And I grew and matured so much in my understanding of, first of all, how do leaders address really tough things in churches? These are deep theological problems. And I just want to say, like, there's good people on both sides of this, people who love Jesus on both sides of this. But then there's a cultural or even a, you know, a biblical, historical, theological bent Um, you've got to be willing to grapple with some questions. And I was in that church that, although very conservative in their mindset, they were willing to grapple with the questions. So I really willingly, there were many women who left and thought, we're just going to check out. And I don't know, I had, the Lord gave me grace. And I stayed and I was part of this journey. I watched godly leaders humble themselves and they actually made a complete turnabout in that brethren church. And I was the first woman they asked to pray publicly in the church. Now, I I just found that to be a very profound moment. Sorry, it makes me emotional to think about it. I remember, I remember literally like almost shaking in the pew as I stood up, knowing I was going to pray out loud as a woman 
in this brethren church. And the Lord used that humbling, that grace that he gave me through those years that I've never lost. I, I have a different theological point of view. I, we now attend a church that obviously they hired me as one of their pastors. I've led there. I speak nationally. And I, I just, it frustrates me in some ways that we have to pick a camp on this issue of women in leadership. I mean, I just think for every woman out there, just know deeply who you are in Christ. Know what he says about you, no matter what setting you're in, whether it welcomes. I, I mean, it's, I encourage you to be in settings that welcome your gifts and, and of course, want to affirm you in that. But I just want to say for 11 years, I was in a setting that, that didn't. But they were willing, they wanted to, they just didn't know how. And it was in that setting that the Lord, I think, built my character, really taught me that no matter if I didn't have a platform, if I never had a platform, I could serve him. Um, and I think that's the posture that you have to carry no matter your history, no matter your assignment, um, it, whether you have the platform or not the posture of your heart, male or female, has to be one of humility and tons of grace, no matter where you stand on the side of the issue. I can assure you that if you humble yourself before the Lord, if you're willing to serve him, he will make a way. He will open doors. And it may look different than you could ever imagine. I've done many different things in many roles of leadership as a woman, all in ministry settings. And it's all been God who's opened those doors. But I can honestly say if, you know, being a grandma, being a mom of adult children and a, and a mother-in-law and, and a friend and a wife, I'm going to be judged not on what I have done or what platforms or roles I've held. I'm going to be judged on the posture of my heart because God knows our motives and our intents. And I honestly think that's the first thing it is the first and always first and last thing, mm -hmm. but he does, he does love, he does love to use us for his glory, for our good. And so the world will see Jesus in, in that context. I say, I give all glory to God for all the ways in which he's opened doors for me as a woman. And I, in my life, love to mentor women. I love to encourage them and I love to see them using their gifts. Over the last number of years, we've we've had a chance to talk with uh, different people, different walks of life, different. You know, I've I've learned so much with uh, Black Lives Matter, and I bring this up because I don't know what I don't know. Is there still a stigma for women in leadership in 2022? Sure. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I don't I don't want to be pointing, you know, fingers. It's not my, I would say there are some women that maybe are more on the front lines of that. I, um, it's, it's not, how can I say this? God sees women, loves women, raises up women. And I think the, every time you obey God, he finds a way to open those opportunities. But in our culture, oh, sure. I think the church in many contexts has, has a way to go here. Um, but I, it definitely has shifted. I mean, I'm, I won't say exactly my age, but I'm, you know, I have that generation 
where I have seen a huge shift and I'm thrilled about it. And I'm thrilled about the openness in many church settings, including ones that I've named um, that are now including women in leadership roles much more than they used to be. So there's been a huge shift. It's interesting to see that over the course of time, even within, you know, my 20 years of existence, <clears throat> um, just the <laughs> shift in, I know, Johnny, I see your face. I'm lying about my age, but um, there has been an incredible shift, I think, in the church community with regards to women in leadership, but it sort of feels like the mainstream world jumped on that a lot quicker. And when you think of God and loving us all and some of those, you know, very core messages of our faith, why do you think it's taken so long for the church to really champion women leaders? Well, that's a loaded question and a good one. Um, you're right. There's many women in many congregations that are leading. They're the CEO of huge companies. So why is it that it's different? Well, honestly, I think the tension and it's a valid tension. It lies in scripture. And it really, you go back to the, to the scripture itself and look at, um, and we wouldn't have time to break down all those passages, but it's <laughs> difficult. These are difficult passages. Sometimes I want to wring Paul's neck because I think, really? <laughs> like, how helpful is that? Without divulging, because I don't actually like to say which, which camp I'm in, sure. you know, complementarian, egalitarian. Like, I think sometimes we get stuck on which camp you're in. But I do think that you have to have an honest um, hermeneutical look at scripture. That's just a big word to say, like what, when you study the Bible about anything, you have to look at the cultural setting of every writer and the context of the audience they were speaking to. And I do see both sides of the issue. I wrote a paper on this when I finished my master's in theological studies. I wrote a paper for my own benefit because I'm like, these passages are driving me crazy. You know, women be silent in the church and wear a head covering and don't speak outside of your home. And like, if you just took all of those, you'd think, well, of course, it's a no brainer that women shouldn't be speaking and teaching leading men. But you have to take the context of all of scripture. And it's an honest study that you have to do. And I think it honestly comes down to understanding the cultural context of some of those passages, looking at the teachings of Jesus. Jesus writes the view of both men and women, who you are as created in the image of God, both male and female. So you have to look at Jesus and you got to look at Genesis. You got to go back to before the fall and say, who were we created to be male and female, which is the most beautiful study. Actually, Genesis answers the question, both made in the image of God, both given equal authority. There it is. Equal authority to lead and to steward all that God had given and you have to understand the context of our created, our creation. And then that's before sin and our messed up world. And Jesus says, when you look at who you are in Christ, all of that is redeemed. Go to Ephesians, go to Colossians, go to all the chapters of what happens when you're in Christ, both male and female. Look at all of the gifts and the order of the gifts. They're to male and female. Do I believe in humility and submission. I think submission is a beautiful word, actually. And I think submission is for men and for women. It's a one another thing. 
I think it's a different study and understanding when you're looking at order male and female submission in marriage versus male and female submission in the church. So I've just blown up your, you know, there's about 50 more questions you could ask there. Yeah. I do think at the end of the day, (laughs) at the end of the day, submission is a beautiful gift from God that we need to submit to God and to one another. So as male and female, we are created with equal value in the sight of God and equal authority because when Christ dwells in you, you are given everything that belongs to Jesus, whether you're a man or a woman. So whatever position, whatever role, whatever gifts God's given you, the most important thing is to understand who you are in Christ. That's your true identity. And out of that comes your true purpose. So there's there's nothing restricted to men or to women when you walk in your full identity as a follower of Jesus. And that is actually the freedom in knowing who you are in Christ, whether you're a man or a woman, like walk as Christ walked, walk with the same authority, use your gifts and find a way to serve Jesus. And if you can't serve Jesus in the community that you're in and, and usually gifts, then you know what, there's probably another community that you could do that in. I thought we are going to talk 700 club and you know, that you'll, your favorite food. I didn't think we we're going into <laughs> hermeneutics and theology and uh, diving into your church. We're getting churched at the moment, but I want to ask you this question though, because your heart, uh, your heart is to be a teacher. And, it, and we've talked about this and the different forms of teaching. We have this plan where we expect it to go from here to here. And then there's God's plan where it's all over the place. What do you say to someone who, who hears God And they think that I need to be doing this, whatever that may be, but it's not necessarily going the way that they thought it was going to. Wow. Are you reading my mail? Like, is this not my life story? Um, (laughs) You know what? Here's my, here's my wisdom, my old, a older age wisdom. Believe God when he says to you, he'll use you. Don't ever lose the sight that he, he will use you. I, I, I was, I'm, I'm actually at my cottage right now. I'm looking out onto my lake that's frozen over. I just was snowshoeing. I just came in from snowshoeing. But <laughs> in the summer, many years ago, in fact, I was in my early 40s. So I'll just explain it this way. Our kids had not yet entered their teenage, young adult, nightmare years, okay? In summary, you've talked to my son, seven years of prodigal children this mama had serious story. You want to know our story? Just go to my website, lauriehartshorn.com and our family story's there and it's on YouTube and it'll just tell it all. But here's the thing. I'm bef- I don't even know that's coming. I'm laying out of my lake in my dinghy. Okay. Not even a, like a fancy board, a blown up dinghy. The Lord tells me, and it's a, little, a few times in my life, the Lord's really like whispered to me. And he said, you will be speaking nationally. Mm. I'm going to use you. You're going to speak nationally. And I'm, what am I doing then? I'm leading Bible studies in my kitchen. I'm faithfully serving every week, leading my connect group. I'm speaking at some women events as they invite me. I'm working a job as a teacher. I was in working in a Christian school. I'm leading the music program there. I'm just faithfully serving God. But I knew, I knew that was so real. So I asked the Lord, like, what? Like, I'm going to be, and I'm like, you're going to be teaching the Bible nationally. Like it was really that specific. 
And he told me then get to seminary, get that master's degree. Well, I was 40 then, to be honest, financially, it didn't really gel with our family at the time. Money-wise, time-wise, I'm like, what? Like, I just, I don't even know if I want to do that right now. Mm. So anyway, I did hear God and I chose to believe him, but I didn't start doing that. All of it came true. Everything the Lord told me came true. I was closer to late forties. It was probably eight years later that I started to step out onto the national speaking scene. And I believed God, but that was eight years. And in those eight years, seven of them, I went through the darkest time of my life with my kids running from God. And to be honest, I'm like, I have nothing to say to anyone. Who am I? Why would anyone want to listen to me? I'm obviously a failure as a mom, as a speaker, as a teacher, like very huge identity crushing years. Now I will say in those years, I was speaking any opportunity God gave me, I would obey. So here's the thing. Like you believe God and then you let him worry about the timing. Timing is a God thing. And by the way, you're probably not ready. I wasn't ready. I had to go through a seven, eight year process of real crushing. To be frank, I was arrogant. I was, I was a, I was like the Pharisee. I thought I knew, I thought I knew it all. And by the end of those Seven years, I knew nothing, man. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know if I've got anything to say, but I can tell you my whole heart was changed. I actually loved God more and I loved people more and I was much more humble. And I think that's, that's why God, that's who God likes to use. So mm. leave the timing up to God, but do believe God and whatever that dream is, he's given you whatever that vision is whatever when he spoke to you and you let him take care of it but you believe he it will happen and you just keep obeying him one day at a time and the next thing you know you look back and you go what how do i even get here like none of this was in my plan it's way better than my plan and it will be way better than your plan as you're going through the uh, eight-year struggle, I'm going to say seven-year struggle, but kind of all-encompassing, uh, what were some of those things that you really were able to hold on to to power you through? Wow. Honestly, I was just so weak on so many levels. Our kids were running hard. Uh, there was addiction to drugs, alcohol. There was strained relationships. They had walked away from their faith. And, you know, all the things we thought we did right as parents seemed to be a waste I would say the thing that kept me going through those years, number one, I learned how to pray. Uh, I, I really learned how to pray and I, not as a duty out of desperation, you know, my husband and I learned how to pray. We started believing God in a time when we didn't see any evidence of things changing. Uh, we also became very, we grew up real fast and became very aware of the reality of spiritual warfare, the power of prayer. Remember, I'm that good Baptist girl and he's that good brethren boy. And like, you know, the devil and demonic powers and what, like, you know, sure. We knew that we were in a spiritual battle, but we were not equipped. We didn't really understand it. So my whole teaching Bible study series is called finding freedom and it uh, really addresses, I just share gut honestly, 
all the things I learned about the reality of spiritual warfare was a wake up call big time. We relied on other people a lot. We were very transparent. We shared our story. We invited, I was traveling across Canada teaching for John Maxwell, teaching leadership. That made me feel a lot better than having to share all my junk. But ironically, every time I'd go speak somewhere, the Lord just said, you better ask them to pray for your kids. So I just, I would just put it out there, like not all the details, but like, Hey, if anybody's a praying person here, would you pray for our family? And the more we shared and invited people into our journey, the more we were really honest about it. Hmm. We never, we never hit it. We, we were very vulnerable. We were very open. I really believe that's, I mean, Jesus said, frankly, to me, he's kind of blunt with me because that's kind of the only way I hear he's like, Lori, (laughs) if you want people there to celebrate with you, when these prodigals come home, you want people to show up to that party, you better invite them along the journey right now. Honestly, I'm like, whoa. So I just started inviting people into the journey because I wanted them there for the party. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, we partied. When our kids came home, we let the whole world know. And our kids have told, each one of them told, has told their story. And we continue to tell our story because it's certainly not about us. Are you kidding me? It is all this miraculous, powerful work of Jesus. And who gets tired of talking about that? So we, we started believing God. We started praying. We started inviting people into our journey I mean, so many things. And the word of God came so alive. Like I, I would date verses. I would underline verses. I'm like, I am believing that verse for my family. Mm. And I would camp out on that. And I would just pray that back to God. Like, come on, God, you know, do it again. Let's go here. And honestly, those were the things that kept us going. When you look back over your life, can you pinpoint one or maybe a couple of why me moments Uh, whether it be in a valley or a mountaintop? Well, the why me big moment for me was why me having three, all three of my kids at the same time running from God. Like, did I deserve this? Like, Mm. what the heck? Like, was I, you know, where wasn't I the good Christian? Like, shouldn't bad things and this happened to bad families and, you know, all that stuff. Like that was the biggest why me. I just struggled. I went through some, and I understand parents angst and under just questioning God, no matter whether you got prodigal kids or you're just struggling with family issues, like why me? And you feel like you failed and you feel like that has, you know, um, or you don't deserve it. I was mad at God. I was ticked off. Like here I am serving you faithfully. And this is what's happening. Um, a very big why me moment. And I would, I would say that in some ways I'm, I feel like even now in my life, I think, why me, God, why have you been so gracious? You know, like I'm praying and desperate to see God answer so many prayers for other families. There is hardly a week that goes by that we don't hear from somebody that sees our story or like just today, again, Curtis's testimony was aired on hundred Huntley street. They've, they've done stories on each one of our kids. And, and every time our story shared, whether it's on YouTube, someone hears about it, I don't even know anymore. They reach out to us and we commit to praying for them. And we're like, you know, God, like, why were you so gracious to our family? 
you know, will you do it again for this other family that we're praying for? So I don't know the answers to the why. I, I think it's okay to ask why. I think God can handle any of our questions. But I've learned to ask a different question. And it's more like, not necessarily why me, although I do ask God that. And I think it's okay. That's a good question. But more like, what now? Like, what do you want to do with this, God? What are you up to? And that question has moved me forward in my life. Um, not actually knowing the why. I still don't really know the why to lots of things that have happened. I don't think we all, we will, but, but I am grateful for how God moves through our whys and kind of brings us to the what. Mm. And it's more like, he's always at work. He's always doing something. And I've just kind of been a simple girl saying, what are you doing today, God? Let's go do it together. Speaker, author, TV host, 700 Club, uh, L-O-R-I-E-H-A-R-T-S-H-O-R-N.com. Pastor Lori, <laughs> so I could say that. Thank you for taking some time and uh, sharing your heart today. Oh, thank you, guys. I, this was so much fun. And Holly, again, love to have you back in that 700 Club Canada studio. <laughs> Use just a delight. Bless you both in your work and ministry. We got churched. We did. That was good. I took notes. Yeah. Sort of that's the thing is that I go in with a blank page. And then after that, I'm like, oh wow, I've I've really written a lot and I really need to dive into uh, learning a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Lori is such an incredible woman. I love that she didn't get bitter over the whole process of being in that early phase of our church discovering more about women leadership um, from a biblical perspective. Get bitter or get better. Yeah. That's a thing. Where's that from? I don't know. Okay. But I'm going <laughs> to take it. I've heard it somewhere. It yeah. was like when, when she said, you know, you don't know. And I'm like, a wise man knows that he knows nothing. Ooh. I've also there, there's two, there's two little tidbits for you, but yeah. Thank you to uh, Lori for taking some time and uh, sharing her heart. It was quite incredible. And thank you for listening because my goodness, if it wasn't for you and your five-star reviews and telling friends and family members and complete strangers, we would only be talking to ourselves. Yes, which is what it feels like most days. So thank you for your emails and your notes as well. We appreciate them. Wymeproject.outlook.com on our Facebook. You can get on the Insta, on the Twitter, and then places like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And of course, you can always check out faithstrongtoday.com.